Okay. So I tell you, this is a little different than fast week um, for me um, because um, it's um, a lot of preparing and anticipating and for some reason I got nausea today, but God, I hope you just use me. So my message today is cheating people limits the life God has for your life. And so, okay, so as again, the message, cheating, ha, ah, I like that. Cheating people limits the life God has for your life. So let's go to John 3 and 15. John 3 and 15. It says that and this is, and as Moses, um, as Moses lifted up the serpent, serpent in the wilderness is where we're um, right here. And we're talking about John 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God has chose us as part of the eternal plan. God's eternal plan is to point people to eternal life with God through his son, Jesus Christ. So what does eternal life mean? So I had to look that up. And what, what came up was life that begins the instant a person turns from his sins and start a commitment in trusting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So now let's go to 2 Corinthians 5.14 because I'm setting something up here to tell you um, how wonderful it is to have eternal life when we give our life to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.14. Now this is one of our, well, um, I think 5.17 is one of our foundational scriptures, but I'm going to start at 14. For the love of Christ constraint us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead now I'm reading out the King James version and that he died for all that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again wherefore henceforth know we know man after the flesh ye though we have known Christ after the flesh yet not henceforth known we him no more therefore now this is one of our foundational scriptures therefore if any man be in Christ he's a new creature old things are passed away behold all things become new and all things are of God who hath reconciled reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given to us the ministry of reconciliation so now let's break that down. I want to break it down by looking at 514. For the love of Christ, it really compels us. Um, and so what we're saying, so when we read this, we kind of have to make it personal. I make it personal. So I was hearing God say in 2 Corinthians 515, I died for you, Zipporah. If you receive my new life, you will no longer live to please yourself. Instead, you will live to please Christ. 
So then I went to 16, and therefore it says, therefore from now on, we regard, regard no one according to the flesh. Now, this is not King James, even though, well, yes, it is. And we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet know now we know him thus no longer. He says to me, Zipporah, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. Then we get down to 17. And therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this means all the newness of life is from God. We're not the same anymore. The old gone and the new life has begun. Then he says, therefore, if anyone in Christ, uh, uh, wait a minute, I want to say, therefore, anyone in Christ, I started really meditating on that. And Christ, the anointed one, specially chosen for important purpose. The anointed one is one appointed to a special task. So that means he's saying that I'm appointed to a special task. And when, you, when we accept God, acceptance of Christ, we, be, we become his children. And so the birth of Christ in Matthews 1.21 says, And she will bring forth the son, and she shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from all sins. So the acceptance of Christ begins when we become his children. Now let's look at he is a new creation. Be in Christ, he is a new creature, excuse me. Romans 8 and 9 says, but ye are not in the flesh. So when we talk about being a new creature, we're not in flesh, but we're in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his because the spirit gives us life, that eternal life, and dwells inside of us, gives us the power that we can live in any way to please God. Think about it. When we have the spirit of rejection, we feel void. But if we have the spirit of God, we're full. If we have the spirit of darkness, there's depression and there's sadness. When we have the spirit of jealousy, there's resentment towards someone. When we have the spirit of worry, that's no peace. But we got to have the spirit of life, the spirit, the eternal life. Through the acceptance of Christ, I had to start seeing things differently. I had to strengthen my spirit man. Now that started with a process that wasn't something I, this is a seven-year work right here I've been going to this church for seven years now and so what you see is a process and I'm still in process I had to strengthen my spirit man and that started you know sometimes in that process if you keep struggling and how you think God sees you and how you feel you're not worthy you have, to, you have to get that word in you so you won't feel like you're not worthy to be able to stand up here and share testimony, stand up here or share God with somebody. Now, this is about cheating people, okay? It's about cheating people. And so when we don't share God and we put God in a box when we go to work, we put God in a box when we at the store, we're cheating people that are hurting. There are people around us every day that needs to hear God loves you. So you will not question, am I fit to do the work in the kingdom if you um, strengthen your spirit, man? You won't say when someone asks you to do girl talk, no, I can't do that right now. 
okay? <laughs> you won't say, when I say, can you pray? You won't say, no, I can't pray right now. Okay, when someone asks you to do something in God's house, can you greet at the door? No. Or can you say announcement? No, I'm not dressed appropriately. <laughs> you're cheating people. You're cheating people of what God want to do with you. But not only that, you're cheating people. You're cheating people and the life that God has for you. So why do we cheat? Fear. I can tell you that's why I was cheating. I remember the first time when I was going down the mountain. I kept going down this mountain four hours. I think y'all heard this before, some of you all. I was having to drive down the mountain. As some of you all know, I support nursing homes. And this nursing home was in jeopardy of losing their license because of um, a lady that her um, toes were amputated. Well, it was a, a, a catastrophic situation but in a way I kept saying Lord why I keep coming down here he said you ain't praying for the people and I tell y'all that's when I understood the power of prayer because I start praying and sometimes you'll hear me in the mornings because it, it really it, 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 it's heavy on my heart sometimes the way that people are treated on their jobs and so I started praying for this building and guess what I didn't have to drive down that mountain every day every week because I started praying, and guess what? That building turned out to be one of the number one facilities within the company. I don't know if it's, I, I want to believe it's because of my prayer. And, I, and every time I'm talking, are you praying for the building? Quit complaining. Come on, let's pray. So I'm just saying, are we cheating people of the life that God wants to give them and the, God, and the life that God wants to give you? So fear. Fear that people are going to reject you. That was one of my reasons for not praying out loud. Remember, I had this rejection thing that I thought I had gotten rid of that God just revealed to me back in April, and I'll, I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit, um, little bit more in the message, but revealed to me that that rejection was so deep-rooted, it wasn't gone, but I thought it was gone. I got rid of the first layer, okay? So fear that you will, not, that you will sound stupid. Fear that people will talk about you. Now, I've always had this saying before Christ, I'm going to give you something to talk about. You want to talk about me? I'm going to give you something to talk about. But after Christ, I said either they're going to talk about the God in me or they're going to talk about the lack of God. So hopefully you're talking about the God in me. If you see the lack of God, hopefully you're praying for me. Okay? Shy spirit. You know, sometimes we, we, we're shy. Or who, or, um, oh, oh, woe, it's me spirit. Now, I'm talking about why we cheat people. Or, I don't know the word like you, spirit. That was mine. I live with a Bible scholar here, if I know that. And because he knew the word, because quote the scriptures, or if I said it wrong, it was intimidating, okay? And so that, and it wasn't that I was trying to compete with him, but I kept silent, okay? I kept silent because I knew he knew the word. I didn't know what I was talking about, but I had to not let that intimidate me. I had a dream one time, and the, I, I can't really remember what the dream was, but in the dream, God said, you know that word. You know that word. And I thought the dream was about him, but it really, <laughs> it really was about me. You know, we always want to try to fix somebody else. But in a way, the dream was about me. And so I began to... Um, carry my children's Bible, which um, I was going to bring it today, but I didn't. 
because I left the house early this morning and I didn't get back, I didn't make it home before I came here. But so I start learning those, I start learning the word, I start learning those um, stories and I don't have them down pat, but I know enough even when I didn't have the word in, in, um, in me, I just talked about what God was doing for me, how God changed my life. Sometimes if you don't know the scripture, and one of the things that my husband told me, he said, look it up on the phone. And so if I want to give them a scripture and I don't know the scripture, all of us have our phone. So you can look it up on the phone if you don't exactly know what it says. Or thinking we're not there yet. Based on what? Do you have God in your heart? Because if you have God in your heart, you can share God with somebody. You know? You can pray for somebody if, if you have God in your heart. So I want to share a story with you. Don't, don't put God in the box. So let's go to Proverbs 2 before I share this story. We want to read, we're going to read Proverbs 2 through almost the whole Proverbs because I had to make this real to me in order for God really to move on my heart and to get God in my heart. Proverbs 2. My son, if thou would receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yet if thou, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for, for hid treasures, then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, I like to play yes a lot of times. It sets the atmosphere for me. That song was life-changing for me. Thank you, Lord. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He lay up some wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk upright. You know what? I'm going to change some things here. I think I used New King James Version. I have the same Bible at home, but it's not what the message that I need to get to you guys. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and imply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk upright. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity in every good path. When wisdom enters your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you 
to deliver you from the way of evil. I want to say that again. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. So you may walk in a way of goodness and keep the path of righteousness, for the upright will dwell in the land, and the blameless will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the earth, and the unfaithful will be unrooted from it. But you got to make it your own. God said to me, if you would receive your words, if you would receive my words and hide your commands with thee, you will incline my ear to wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. And if I cry after knowledge and lift up my voice for understanding, that I will understand the fear of, Lord, of, of my Lord and find the knowledge of God and he will give me wisdom out of my mouth he will come he will give me knowledge and understanding he said that he's my shield and he's my protector and as I walk with integrity he said he will guard the paths of justice and protect those who are faithful he will protect if I'm faithful to him he's going to protect me he said, I'm sorry, y'all, because I love God. He said he would give me understanding for what is right, just, and fair, and that I will follow the right course of action every time when I get them in my heart. And I thank him for the wisdom because he said that the wisdom that will enter my heart and knowledge, it will fill me with joy. And when I tell you I've got so much joy in my heart, it's an honor and a privilege to be his child. It's an honor and a privilege to have him in my heart. The wisdom he pours down in my soul will save me from evil people. It will save me when I need to make a decision. It will save me when things try to come up against me because I say no weapon formed up against me shall prosper, not today. And I mean I say just that. Or you can ask Trina, don't let the dog come out because I'm speaking in tongues. The dog put his head down and he go on. Now one dog, a dog was trying to get after us. And I'm just saying that when you get God in your heart, it says your speech is that those <laughs> from those whose speech is corrupt about me or against me that he gives you wisdom for that so what I know with Psalms I want to take you to Psalms 139 and 14 because you got to get God in your heart to understand what he wants to do with you what he has purposed you to do because you can't keep walking around cheating people from sharing God but it only happens when you get them in your heart because you can't not just keep them closed up you want to share that with somebody I'll be about to burst sometimes let me tell you what God did so Psalms 139 14 for you form my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, it's not until you understand who God has created. He created us in our mother's womb. And once you get that understanding, because I'll tell you the first time that I was God, I didn't know that I was being disobedient. 
But I was being disobedient. I'm going to tell you in, in, in just a few minutes. But let's go to Romans 8.37. I said Romans 8.37 it says nay in these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us he gives us a free gift of love so we are more than conquerors through him and so you got to get these scriptures in your heart to know what God has called you to do. Then in Psalm 618, bring them made free from sin. We are the servants of righteousness. And the scripture says, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man develop much. I remember there was something that happened with me and my husband. And he asked me a question and I didn't tell the truth. And God convicted me and I went back to him I said honey I, I, I didn't tell the truth he said you know I need to know that you can get a prayer up. it says the servant of a righteous and I said well I didn't know that you were expecting me to pray all the time <laughs> what you say <laughs> no, I'm not that you were expecting me to pray all the time, but you were saying when you're having attacks, you need to make sure that I can get a prayer. So I'll clean it up. I'm sorry. So I didn't realize that he was depending on me. And so it's important that we try to be free from sin. Because it says in the word, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The other scripture that I make sure that I get in my heart. Now, as I was telling you all, this is a seven-year process. That means that when I took some time to write confessions, I said these confessions every, every day, okay? There wasn't a day. Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. I say that a lot on the prayer line, but I don't say the rest. And I need to add that rest to my heart because it says a lot. This is what it says. No weapon that's formed against thee shall prosper and every tongue that shall rise against thee. In judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and thy righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. So I've got to I need to write that over and over because you remember Pastor Keith talks about you increase your knowledge or increase your memory by writing over and over. When you really understand that this life does not belong to you. Now, over the summer, we talked about the Master Life class and we talked about um, one of our scriptures was Luke 9, 23, deny yourself, take up the cross and follow him. I may be paraphrasing it, but once you really understand for me that this life does not belong to me. That scripture began to ring in my heart and resonate in my spirit. It is when I start walking, not just that time, but it increased. I, I, I kept, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because I have a story to tell. But it's when you're on the path of righteousness that you stop cheating those around you. 
that you understand that the fellowship that you're having here at church, that you're not rushing out the door, you may have something to help somebody else. Or when you're at the grocery store and somebody say, hey, and they look like they want to talk, that you're not rushing on through. I was, I'm a woman that, I am a person that needs to see example. I actually witnessed a woman just witnessing to people. And I laughed because when my husband first met me, I lived in a con- some condos and he introduced me to all my neighbors that I had thought I'd known for four years. I just say, hey, and keep moving. And he was telling me, oh, this person plays the guitar and this person, I mean, he's introducing me to my, reintroducing me to my neighbors. I didn't even know their name. I thought, man, this guy talked too much. <laughs> but he actually was engaging people and actually witnessing people, you know, just talking to them. He always engaged them. So as I began to hang around him a lot, he brought that out, out of me because I didn't used to talk this much, believe it or not. But I understand why. So I actually got to see somebody. Now I do speak to people and I do engage people, but I'm talking about really witnessing you out, you're eating, how you doing? And just really talking to them and being able to discern that something's wrong with them and start praying for them right there. Now that's a Christian. I'm not saying that I'm not a Christian, but they done taught me something new because guess what? That's a new tool that I got. But anyway, you begin to give people what God has given you when you get God in your heart. And when you know that you don't belong to yourself. This is the place where you begin to understand that it's his will, not your will. When it's his will, you are unstoppable. Nobody, no man can keep you from sharing God. No man can keep you from what God wants you to have. But when it's your will, oh, the brakes can be stopped. The rug can be pulled out from under you. Your world will come crashing down and you don't even see it when it's your will. My will can be stopped and your will can be stopped. But the true will of God is unstoppable. Everyone has a story, each and every one of you. And are you sharing it? Are you sharing Because somebody needs to hear it. And when the story involves how God works, it makes a difference in your life. It makes a... It, when the story involves how God's word, excuse me, made a difference in your life, that story is worth telling. Even if the person ain't receiving it. The Bible states that Christians will produce fruit. John 15. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me is one of our foundational scriptures. And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without ye, without me, ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, He is cast forth as a branch, and he is withered. And a man gathered them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. If ye abide in me, I'm keep going. John 15, 5 through 8. If ye abide in me, I'm on 7. My words abide in you. You should ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. I take that 
scripture literally and I make it mine. God, you said if I abide in you and you abide in me, I can ask. I can ask and it shall be done. Eight, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear fruit. Ye shall be my disciples. Do not think your testimonies is boring. Your story could be the only one to connect with the person searching for the truth. No life-saving journeys through the Word of God is boring. See, it requires some level of brokenness. I remember the first level of brokenness, and I probably got some more that I just don't even know about, but I'm going to tell you about the first one. The first one was actually when I married this man right here because I did not want to get married again. Okay? And I remember going through counseling and finally saying yes, but I still was not in. Some of you heard the story 100% all in until God broke me. And this is what God said to me. He said, because the second year in the marriage, I remember we was on counseling. We were we in counseling. We were sitting on that chair in the office. <laughs> in the couch and I said well yeah I've been trying to find a way to get out the marriage <laughs> and my husband was very surprised needless to say but I heard God we had one day we had a disagreement one evening we had a disagreement and I said I'm leaving and God said you're always running and he challenged me. I mean, through prayer and through, I mean, and it was painful because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really want to have to deal with that, you know. <laughs> I, I didn't want to have to deal. You know, I thought, you know, I don't have to deal with this. You know what? But in a way, little did I know that God brought. It, there was some brokenness, and once there was some brokenness on my behalf, and I quit focused on what He was not doing, God broke me. So that was one level of brokenness. Then there was another one. Um, well, yeah, that was, number, that was number one. Number two, well, accepting my husband's marriage was number one because I remember one time after we came from counseling and I was driving and I was listening to Yolanda Adams and I think it was Open Your Heart because music always speaks to me, you all. Um, even when I was in the world, I used to play songs according to how I feel. But, um, and he could, he, and Lamar would always say, I read you through the music you're playing. But anyway, so the first one was accepting my husband in marriage. The second was being all in in the marriage and hearing God say, you never finish. And the third one was the rejection release. Now, in 2017, probably for about four months, well, let me back up. It wasn't until the rejection release that the brokenness came, but I didn't realize that I was being disobedient to what God would have me to do. Sometimes, you all, even when we're doing things and it's for God, it doesn't mean that that's what you're supposed to be doing for God. Especially if you're in a body of Christ this house okay so the first time 
um, I had an opportunity to pray for the church. We were doing a trial basis. I didn't continue. Um, one of our sisters who was leading it um, got sick, and so I just didn't think I was worthy. I didn't think, I didn't want to have to put in that work, make sure I'm on the line every morning. But guess what? I continued it anyway. I continued it for probably about two and a half years. And I didn't know that I was being disobedient, but it came a time where when I used to get off the line with the young ladies, I would go back to bed. Now, I'm not going back to bed after I'm on prayer, this prayer line, but I didn't realize what was going on, but that season was up, and I began to cry out to God even after I prayed or after I was on the line. It was something going on. I can't explain it. I was just empty inside. I was empty, I was happy, but I was empty, if that makes sense. I didn't, you know, I knew that I needed more of God. I didn't know what that more of God was. So I cried out to this song right here, to this song, probably, and I remember the first time I heard this song was at the first New Year's celebration. Cried out then. That was the first brokenness because that's when I accepted. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, and so I didn't know why I kept going back to that song every morning, but I would be downstairs in the floor, prostrate, prostrate, laying down, just weeping, crying out because I couldn't pray. But I didn't know. I didn't know. But I knew enough that I needed more of God, and I kept saying, I'll go whatever you want me to do. Whatever you do, I'll go. It's your will. What The song, I just, I just kept crying out. And so, see, I, I, I done got away from my notes, but I kept crying out. And so, it was this year in the fast week, not fast week, it was um, one night with the king. One night with the king where we started praying for one night with the king. And I remember having a conversation with Pastor Melanie and Pastor Keith. And basically they reminded me that I had been faithful or have been consistent for three years on this other prayer line ministry that I had created. And, and I'm telling the story because someone needs to hear this. I know you guys have heard it before. And so once they said that, I was very convicted. Why am I not doing this for my house? This house, this is our house. And so it became very clear to me that I was being disobedient. I didn't know that I was disobedient to God. I did not know that. And so that other thing, that void, no, I, I, I skipped the story. I'm sorry. April the, let me see if I have it here. April the 4th. As we were doing, uh, here it is, the weekly prayer project. On this particular week, we had a book and it was, it's every week you um, read a scripture and then it's challenging asking you to write something down. On this particular week, it was gracious to forgive. And so now this is April the 4th 
I think the middle of April is when we started the prayer line. But on April the 4th, it was my turn, and I had to um, say what I was need to forgive someone for, and I said, I can't think of anything. I said, you know, just my dad. I didn't know my dad, you know. Um, he left me when I was three years old, and um, one of the young ladies said, well, write a letter to your father. He's dead. Write a letter to my father. But I was obedient, and I wrote a letter to my father. And as I'm writing the letter, I said, Father God, I just ask for your true forgiveness of my bitterness for not knowing my father, for not knowing who he was. I don't remember verbatim, but I said, I often wonder what it would feel like for my father to love me unconditionally, for my father to show me love in this world, and it hit me, it hit me that I was talking about my heavenly father. My father couldn't do what the heavenly father can do for me. I didn't know my father, but I had that other level of rejection that I thought I had gotten rid of that I was released that day. I actually felt the release. All those times that I had been crying out on the floor, I told you I felt empty. I felt like there's a void. Well, when you're rejected, you feel a void. But because I've mastered in how to push it down, I mastered how to walk, stand up tall, and be bold and not think, not let things bother me. I mastered that. That rejection was so deep-rooted because I pushed it down that I was released. I was released because then I kept writing and I said something about teaching me, teaching me something and it hit me again. And I just said, thank you, Lord. Thank you. So if you got something you don't know what it is you don't know you 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 can't turn around and not talk to God you got to lay out straight prostrate you got to cry out whatever it is that was my method for him to reveal what was going on inside of me so what I've learned from this experience that is when you come to God when you come to Jesus to drink we don't get a single drink we get a spring of a fun we get a spring of water the well never runs dry so when I got the message or when I got the conviction that I was praying that I was gonna the conviction that I was this on my other ministry and I was praying for them and wasn't really even though I touched on the church I touched on pastors I touched them but I wasn't really standing in the gap like God needed me to um, once I got that revelation, I told the ladies, I said, well, I'm not going to pray on the line with you all anymore. And they said, well, let us pray for you because we want to make sure you're making the right decision. I said, okay. They prayed for me. So after I got off the prayer line, I laid down and I was meditating and I fell asleep and had this dream. I had this dream that I was walking in the park and there was a young man that had some... Um, challenged children and he let them out and he went and sat on the bench 
And so when I pulled up to the park, they told me where he was. So as I walked up to the park, the ground was wet, so it was like that gush, gush. Some of y'all heard the story. So I walked up there, and he was sitting there praying, and I woke up. I said, okay, God, what was that? What was that? So sometimes when I really need to hear from God, I go outside. I like to look up to the sky. I like to um, just see how deep and how wide he is out there. So I just went outside, and I'm walking around the neighborhood, and I'm praising God, and, you know, everybody going by, and, you know, I ain't paying them no attention because I'm trying to hear what God is really saying. So on Wednesday nights, a lot of times, we have to put the trash out for the next morning, and a lot of times it rains on Wednesday nights for some reason. So this particular night, we decided... Now, this was Thursday morning. We decided not to take the trash out. It's just two of us, and sometimes, hold on, my computer went. We don't always take the trash out. So as I was coming back around the corner, the Holy Spirit said, take the trash out. So I said, okay. So immediately when I walked on the grass, now the grass wasn't wet. Oh, my God, the gush, gush. I got the gush, gush. Rivers of flowing water. So I said, okay, God, okay, I got it, I got it. That means I'm being obedient. Rivers are flowing water. So I go in the house. Sorry, So I go, I go in the house, and I start messing around in the house, and I need to change the light bulb upstairs. Sorry, y'all, I can't do it. I'm learning how to do two things. At, okay. And so I go upstairs. And I need to change the light bulb. And so um, I have to go downstairs and get the, um, what's the thing you stand up on? Uh, ladder. And so we have two sinks in our bathroom. So I turned on the water. I went downstairs. I probably was downstairs for about 15 minutes. Good 15 minutes. My husband's still in the bed. So when I came back upstairs, I kid you not, I walked in. My bathroom had that much water on the floor. I said, ah, oh, my God, oh, my God, rivers of flowing water. I couldn't even be mad that the bathroom had overflowed. Because God, God, you know, God has to really shake me sometimes. And all I could think about is the water was overflowing. And that's what I was, because it, he was showing me your obedience, rivers of flowing water. And I'm telling you all, ever since that time, things have been happening they have been happening the overflow God laid it on my heart keep praying about the overflow the overflow I keep praying about the overflow and God is doing some amazing things in our lives so I want to look Isaiah 58 because I, I, I didn't even you know how you read a scripture you read a scripture but I never really read the rivers of flowing water I just it just came to me when I saw all of that because I look at God and everything that water running over hey that just got me motivated I mean even when I walked outside and I walked around the back and I the gush gush the gush gush that's rivers of flowing water Isaiah 58 10 and if thou draw out thy soul to hunger and satisfy the afflicted soul then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, 
and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. Feed the hunger. Feed those people that are in need of God and help those in trouble. The Lord will guide you continually, watering your life when you are dry and keeping you healthy too. I will be like well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Our children will rebuild the walls and cities. I don't think this is, this is what I'm talking about. Once you quit cheating people, because guess what? Your children are watching you. Your families watching you. I can't tell you how much more meaningfully my fellowship with my family, fellowship with friends is now that I've decided not to put God in a box, that I'm sharing God everywhere I go. Honor that Lord in everything you do and don't follow your own desire, desires or talk out of worthy things. If you do this, the Lord will be your delight. He said, I will give you great honor and give you your full share of the inheritance. I promise to Jacob, your ancestors. So are you cheating people? Are you cheating people? Because our purpose is to, for um, as I indicated in the beginning, God's eternal plan is to point people to eternal life with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that I get it right every time, but I try really hard every day to make sure that I'm ministering to somebody, that I'm talking to somebody, that I'm praying for somebody. So are we walking around so fat with the word, as my husband said, that we are cheating other people of the life that God wants to give them?